Well, we have Ashley Tyson on the call here with me this afternoon. And Ashley, I really appreciate your time. But before we get started, I want to send everybody to a special landing page that you've created for the audience because, uh, and there's quite a bit of resources and, and, and some great offers there for, for people. So go to ozpros.com slash REI Mastermind, and you're going to find out what Ashley and his team do, but they primarily not only focus on how to reduce your taxes, of course, which is always a great thing, but what the topic of the day is opportunity zones. And we're going to kind of do a opportunity zone 101 here today. And Ashley's going to bear with me as I ask some pretty basic questions, but I think we need to start there. But Ashley, I really appreciate this. Well, thanks for having me on, Jack. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here today. So I'm going to start things off because, you know, we've heard a lot about, especially in the news with not regarding opportunity zones, but we also hear, hear of gentrification and a few other things. So I think we're going to try to bust a couple of those myths here today as well, maybe. Sure. But um, could we kind of define what an opportunity zone is and why a city or or any place would take an advantage or, or designate an opportunity zone? So the in the Tax Cut and Jobs Act of 2017, in the 1,700 pages that they had, uh, they snuck in these three pages of legislation uh, and that are called opportunity zones. And so what it allowed uh, governors to do was to designate up to 25% of their low-income census tracts as opportunity zones. And so each governor then got to choose and pick 25 percent of their low-income census tracts, wherever those were, to become opportunity zones. And if you invest into an opportunity zone, you get to defer capital gains. The first, you know, so if you had appreciated stock or appreciated crypto, or you sold a business and you generated substantial capital gains, you can take that capital gain and you can put it into a qualified opportunity fund. And all that has to be is just a, uh, a partnership. And then you can make investments in these areas and that investment can either be real estate or it can be an operating business. And after a 10-year hold, you're going to be able to exit that investment tax-free. So in three pages of code, the, the legislator was basically able to accomplish what no other place-based economic incentive has ever done, which was number one, it got the attention of private capital. Number two, it got private capital off the sidelines. And number three is that it got it to be patient. And so I got to, you know, I got to tip my hat to these guys is that, you know, in this bipartisan legislation, which um, it just happened to get enacted, you know, under uh, President Trump's tenure, it uh, it created a, uh, you know, a program that has actually encouraged private and capital to invest into areas that have historically been under invested in. And so there's 8,700 of these opportunity zones across the United States. Uh, you know, from uh, their, you know, they run the gamut and in all of the U.S. territories as well. So the island of Puerto Rico is basically one gigantic opportunity zone because of the hurricanes that happened there. And so if you invest into those zones or if you basically operate a business out of those zones, you qualify for this unbelievable tax incentive. So, you know, that, that's interesting that this happened in 2017 and it, it's you would have had to you've been in business longer than that, right? Yeah. So I, um, you know, so a little bit of background on me. I'm an attorney. 
I try to practice law as little as possible. But uh, you know, I, I like to call myself a reformed attorney because of that. But um, I started practicing law with a big firm. I was a, a commercial real estate developer and tenant and common syndicator. So I did a bunch of syndication exercises, and we distributed our product through a nationwide, you know, uh, network of broker dealers. And uh, and then I, you know, when the real estate market crashed in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, I uh, I went back into practicing law and built up a mergers and acquisition firm, but sold it so that I could help business owners put more money in their pocket by saving on taxes and by improving their business processes. And so when I did that, I started really focusing on tax mitigation strategies and what the, you know, the really ultra high net worth families do as it relates to their wealth building strategies. And as a part of that, I was at a CLE and I heard a guy talking about the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. And I, you know, he mentioned it. It was after lunch and he was kind of droning on and he mentioned it. And I ran him down in the hall afterwards and I was like, hey, I was like, opportunity zones. Did I hear what I thought you heard? I was like, that sounds like private equity in 1031 got married. And he's like, oh yeah. And they had a beautiful baby named Opportunity Zones. And so uh, I, I was like, all right, let's pop up a website and let's see what happens. And two weeks later, you know, 150 inbound leads and $150 million worth of capital looking for deals. I was like, okay, we're on to something here and let's, let's go all in. Let's learn this stuff. Right. And it was just a little bit of a twist for me because I was doing a lot of the stuff that you do inside of an opportunity zone. Anyhow, I just had to really dive into the regs and uh, and really dive into those in 2019 when they finally came out. Right. Well, you know, you you you're almost living an example there. You know, we've all read Rich Dad Poor Dad. You know, and 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 it talks about taking advantage of these opportunities that that come up at the at the time. So I got to give you credit. I mean, you're living that actual adage there, where you saw the opportunity and you threw up a page really quick to just see if there was a market out. appetite yep. and test it out. And, and, uh, you really pivoted really quickly. A lot of people don't do that. Yeah. It wasn't difficult for me because, you know, at the time we were doing succession planning as part of grooming businesses for sale, and then we were helping them exit. And then we were doing the tax mitigation on the back end of that. And it was amazing that, uh, you know, I'd be calling people on the phone and be like, Hey, um, have you, do you have a succession plan in place? And, uh, you know, I'd be leaving this as a voicemail on their message and I couldn't get people to call me back and be like, Hey, let me give you an hour worth of my time. Cause I can help you put together a succession plan and really figure out how you can make your business more valuable. And then how you can put more money of that in your pocket and really build generational wealth for your family. And people weren't interested in that. And so what really clued me in and what really kind of stuck out for me inside of that process is that, man, you can be diligent like crazy. And if you just don't have something that resonates with people, right, that that's what you really got to focus on is you got to focus on something, some story that resonates with folks because that story didn't resonate people. Hey, you're going to die someday and you need to plan ahead of time, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, Nobody wanted to do that. But we talked about opportunity zones and we're like, hey, we can help you build your business, make it more valuable, and, uh, and we can show you all the things that you could do inside of an opportunity zone. And then all of a sudden, the, fr- the phone was ringing off the hook and people, you know, we had all this inbound traffic and things were going crazy. And so it's all about that right story. And so uh, thank goodness. And, you know, we were blessed with, uh, with getting the right story at the right time. Mm-hmm. 
So these opportunity zones almost sound a little too good to be true to a certain extent. Like, and, and uh, so can you give us like, what, what are a couple of the downsides that people should be aware of associated with this? There's definitely nuances. So number one, there's, um, you know, there's time frames associated with when you have to put your capital gains into a fund. There's time frames on when you have to move the money from your fund down into a qualified opportunity zone business, and then there's time frames for, um, you know, when you have to uh, invest the money into an actual deal. And then once you're looking for deals, whether that's a operating business or whether that's a real estate deal, you know, there's nuances to the some of the things that you have to comply with. You know, one of those is that it either has to be original use or it has to be substantially improved. And in order to substantially improve something, you have to double the basis of the value of the building. And I don't want to get into the weeds on that too much, but you know, it effectively means that whatever is there, you have to put enough money in to double that. And that could be tricky if you're buying something that's existing that's nice. And so it's just understanding those nuances. And so if you've got a guide, if you've got somebody that can help you along the way, it makes it so that it's doable and it makes it so that um, you know, that you know, effectively anybody can do it. And that's what ozpros.com was set up to be. We, our passion is to democratize access to this thing, to not just make it for the, you know, the big funds out there, but if somebody has a capital gain and they want to make a difference that they can do it themselves and they can do their own self-directed, um, you know, captive opportunity zone fund and, you know, do their part in making a difference in these areas because it's Main Street America that's the backbone of our economy. And we wanted to bring Wall Street level sophistication in the form of this incentive down to Main Street America. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a movement, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of this of this episode regarding gentrification and, and as developers are moving into these areas, it, it could potentially remove some of that low income housing. Do you find that there's some conflict there or maybe this is a myth that uh, we need to bust here? You know, I, I I mean, I think that gentrification is happening everywhere all the time, regardless of whether it's in an opportunity zone or not. And that it's an issue that that um, that everybody's attempting to address and to try and figure out the best solution for it. Um, unfortunately, that happens whether you're in an opportunity zone or not. And so instead of saying, okay, how can we stop gentrification by basically keeping this place a slum, right? Mm. Let's not let's not do that, right? Let's figure out a way to where we can, uh, you know, get people, uh, you know, the, the, the value associated with their property and we can figure out an alternative solution for them. Now, one of the challenges inside of the Opportunity Zone program, and I will acknowledge this, right, is that the, unfortunately, the way that the final regs came out is that it's very difficult for somebody that has property in the zone that they've owned prior to 2017 to be able to hold on to that property and to participate in the upside of the program because there's this circular cash flow thing that the IRS talked about that if you sell and then reinvest into the person that bought you that they deem that uh, you know circular cash flow we've come up with some creative ways to solve that problem to make it so that people can actually you know stay involved in the deal but you got to get creative on it and so 
one of the things that we've stated and that, you know, I'm in a number of different organizations. I'm in the uh, Economic Innovation Group Forum, and I'm also in the Novogratic Opportunity Zones Working Group. And we regularly interact with Treasury and with the legislators about, hey, this is a problem that we need to fix. And one of those things is this exact item about gentrification. And, um, you know, we're all parties are actively working on doing that. And uh, so hopefully, you know, and you, you never know, this actually might be a possibility for us to come up with an innovative solution to that, that, um, you know, that we can maybe even apply outside of opportunity zones. Sure. Well, in like some larger cities, does this, the opportunity zone kind of break the concept of, of rent control and a few other things? So, you know, I mean, I think that, you know, inside of the dynamic of rent control and that kind of drill, right, uh, of larger cities, that's, you know, mainly focused on, once again, trying to kind of provide that affordable housing. One of the interesting things about the Opportunity Zone is that because it allows for an economic incentive, because it allows for you to basically, it's not creating money out of thin air, but it'll take a good deal and it'll make it investor nirvana. And so within that, it allows you to get a little bit more creative about doing deals that you otherwise wouldn't necessarily do. So I've seen a ton of deals relative to naturally occurring workforce housing. And so, but for the economic incentive associated with the opportunity zone, I don't know that those deals would be getting done. And so I, I don't think that this is going to uh, obviate the need for rent control or you know that people should be really focused on doing rent control in the zones. What's really interesting and what's really fascinating is that the lion's share of opportunity zone people that I interact with on a daily basis, and you know we've had over a thousand strategy calls at OZ Pros. We set up a, a, an online community called the Ozworks Group, and people can join that, and it's a membership-based deal that has over 300 members in it at this point. And as I interact with all of these folks, I have yet to meet somebody that's really not focused on the what I call the fifth pillar and the fifth dimension of wealth building, which I think that everybody should really be focused on is impact and purpose and investing on purpose with the goal of having impact. And by very definition, if you're investing in an opportunity zone, you are having impact because these areas have typically been underinvested in. And then mm -hmm. on top of that, the stories and kind of the, the passion and the heart motive of the folks that are actually doing these deals is such that they're actually making a difference in a way that you know, it makes it so that it's kind of the private markets moving in to solve some of these public needs which is the ideal solution, right? So as a, you know, kind of a Keynesian economist, right? Um, you know, I'm interested in the private sector figuring out solutions to these big public problems. And whether it's a form of a partnership with government or just doing it on its own, that's the ideal solution instead of having to, you know, to regulate. And so it's really been cool to see how many people inside of opportunity zones and how many stories there are about people that are doing, they're doing well by doing good. And that's our mantra here. No, that's, that's, that's interesting. You know, especially in this day and age when we're kind of constantly talked about, you're, you're constantly, frankly, preached to the concept of, 
of living with a purpose or having a job with a purpose or finding, finding your purpose. I mean, um, that says a lot if you can focus on your investing with a purpose. Yeah, it really does. So, uh, you, you know, you had a, a guest on one of your podcasts. I actually really enjoyed it, Blake Templeton. And he talked about the three dimensions of investing and kind of wealth generation. And I would argue that there's, and I love that. And I just want to kind of tack on to that, that there, you know, that inside of this and inside of opportunity zones, it's like the fifth dimension. The fourth dimension being that tax advantaged benefit and tax advantaged kick and really getting aggressive, right? So ultra, you know, high net worth and ultra high net worth people, that's what they're really focused on. So they're doing the cost segregation studies like he talked about uh, on your episode, but opportunity zones, it's really cool because after a 10 year hold, you get a step up in basis to fair market value, which eliminates depreciation recapture. So inside of that cost segregation study, if you sell prior to the, you know, the depreciation window catching up, you have to pay ordinary income on the sale. In the opportunity zone, you do not. And so that is a massive, massive benefit for the opportunity zones. On top of that, there's lots of different uh, federal programs that are tied with incentives based upon opportunity zones themselves. And there's lots of grants and other types of things that you can get as an investor in an opportunity zone. And, um, and we're actually working on uh, the fifth dimension with the National Christian Foundation and with the Impact Foundation relative to that impact person. Because I, you know, I think that that's the key piece, right? Is that if you can do all four of those things and do them well, if you have an impact story associated with that and a heart and a passion behind it, number one, it's going to make it way more interesting for you. And you're going to be way more involved in it. You're going to be way more excited about it. Number two, it's going to bring investors to the mix with the same passion and the same idea. Number three, you're actually going to do some good, right? And I think that that's the key thing. And so when you can pull all five of those together, right, and what we're trying to do inside of the NCF uh, element is actually make it so that people can donate to uh, a charity. They can set up a donor advised fund if they want, and they can actually invest through that as well. And it opens up a whole nother realm of, uh, you know, of both charitable giving strategies, which is a huge tax uh, you know, strategy that we employ for really wealthy folks. And it also allows you to uh, tap investors that might be interested in investing that way. So that's what we do at OZ Pros is that we help people strategize around all of those things and we help them actually do their vision, right? So we give them the tools that they need. We vest them with that. We get them out there actually doing opportunity zones. And then we're there with a, a mastermind group to help support them along the way to answer their questions, to make sure they're in compliance and to, you know, to rock and roll on that. Yeah. You you remind me of a couple of books when you were talking about that, you know, start with why, you know, yep. it, that's one, one. And, and if you have, there was a recent one too, called uh, the red thread. Huh. where you're you're de, you're making that de, you're I'm writing making that, that one down you you make you're making that definition or you're defining that why and the, the the whole the whole point of it right is we typically react because out of fear or because of pain but That's if right. we can establish that why to a strong enough 
not only will we override essentially kind of short circuit our fear response, but we'll, um, what do they say? Uh, if you want to move people, you have to be moved first. You know, you, exactly right. it's, it, it's, it's that, it's that aspect. So taking a moment and defining that really, really does help. So well, it, um, I just it, want to, it does and it, and it, and it makes it so that it's, it makes it fun to get up in the morning, right? Because you right. get up and you're excited about something and, you know, well, we kid around about it all the time and we're actually getting these made these, uh, OZ superhero capes where I challenge everybody, right? Whether it's in the context of opportunity zones or whatever your passion is, throw your superhero cape on each and every day and go do what you're passionate about. Actually implement it. And if you're not excited about something, it's tough to do that. And so to your point, you got to get fired up. And then in so doing, you're going to fire people up just by very definition of it rubbing off on them. Yep. If you don't, it's always just going to be another job. And yeah, I, yeah I'm, I, and I am not interested in another job. So I wanted to remind everybody again, another time, ozpros.com slash REI mastermind. I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes to make it easy for everybody to click through. Um, I wanted to take a moment here now and help these smaller investors. And a lot of them are listening to this show. So first of all, do you have to be living in the state or within the city where this opportunity zone resides? Or can you be a, a distance investor? Absolutely not. You can you can invest anywhere into any of the opportunity zones, uh, in, you know, in any place. So it doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter where you work. If you've got capital, so unfortunately they made it so that you have to have capital gains to make your initial investment. But I mean, we've been successful at generating capital gains for people. We've actually um, created some NFTs and that kind of thing that they were able to buy. And then through a peer-to-peer -peer group, they sold them and they were actually able to generate a capital gain. And, um, and then, you know, uh, or were able to take a very small capital gain and be able to use that as their seed investment into their fund. And then they're able to bring in non-capital gains to the extent that they need more cash for whatever investment that it is that they're doing. But that's pretty much the only, um, I guess, hamstring, if you will, right? Is that it doesn't matter where you live. It just matters that you have a capital gain. And we can, we're usually pretty successful in getting creative with that. Have you found, but you said there were like 8,700. It was like a lot of opportunity lot of zones right now. Have you found like certain parts of the country better? for this strategy than others? Well, just by very definition, right? You know, there's areas that have historically received the lion's share of private investment, right? And that's historically been uh, New York, Boston, California, and Texas, maybe Florida. And so not surprisingly, the opportunity zones that are actually in those areas, those have received the lion's share of the investment. There's some pending legislation right now that's going to revise kind of how the opportunity zones were selected. And I think that if that goes through, that that's going to revise that. And we'll actually probably see significantly more cash going into some of the more tertiary markets, which we're starting to see as a whole, because you know those markets are unbelievably kind of overinflated. And mm -hmm. so a lot of folks are realizing that as an investment strategy, the tertiary markets make sense. And so, okay, well, now, now that we know we're looking for tertiary markets, let's look for opportunity zones that are you know, getting going as tertiary markets. 
And the really cool thing about Opportunity Zones is that it becomes kind of a rallying point for being able to get word out about your market. So I was just on, we have a, every Friday at OzWorks group, we have like a, uh, at noon, we have a group session and we were talking about an event that we're going to be doing in Rockport, Texas, the first weekend in October. And I've got the Oldsmobile, which is a, a 38-foot Thor RV uh, that's got ozpros.com on the side, and it's wrapped with Oldsmobile on the back. And uh, I, I bought it because the back of it's got a garage, and we shoot videos out of that. And we're taking the Oldsmobile down to Texas, and we're highlighting this, you know, this coastal city of Rockport, Texas, that has done an excellent job of you know, really taking advantage of the opportunity zones, learning about them, getting their economic development guys you know, knowledgeable about it, uh, educating their business owners about it, that kind of thing. And though that community now is getting national attention via this event that we're having and us being able to get the word out about them and being able to invite, you know, establish funds down there to look at the different deals that they have going on. And opportunity zones have been a rallying point for that community. So they've lined up, you know, the economic development guys. They lined up the community development block grant guys. They lined up the different grants and resources that are available out there. The SBA, the Small Business Development Center, they all synchronized around opportunity zones. And now they're able to use that word kind of similar to how I used it, right, in order to launch this business. And they're utilizing that to get people's attention. And so I think that that's one of the coolest things that's happened as a result of Opportunity Zones. Yeah, that's it's really, it's really neat how and interesting how different communities react so differently to these opportunities. You know, yes. you, you, you talked to, you, you focused on that one versus, you know, there, if there's so many opportunities available, but uh, different, you know, and I keep, we keep saying opportunity zones and communities and starting to lose meaning here, but it's, it's, it's just, I'm, I'm so sick of the word opportunity. It's not even funny because there's so many opportunities <laughs> and opportunity zones, and yeah. qualified opportunity funds and that kind of thing. So yeah, it gets a little overworked in my world, but, um, to your point, there's, I mean, and, and I think that that's kind of true about anything, right? You get out of something, what you put into it. And the communities that have invested into this and the communities that have said, hey, you know what, let's, le let's learn this thing. Let's throw uh, resources at it. And then the ones that have really done well, it's because one person, right, has said, I'm, I'm willing to lead the charge. I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to call Ashley. I'm going to call Jimmy Atkinson. I'm going to call uh, Chris Cooley at Ozworks Group. And we're going to start a conversation. We're going to start a dialogue and we're going to see if there's a way that we can um, utilize the resources that are out there in order to make a difference in our community. So there's a guy named Jim Spencer in Bluefield, West Virginia, that did exactly that. And he basically became the Opportunity Zone czar for that area. As a result, he's got like five separate, you know, massive deals that have come to that little city of Bluefield, West Virginia, which is basically on the way from Charlotte to, you know, to Richmond. Actually, it's not Richmond, but it's on the way to you're going north on 77, right? It's right there on the interstate. But, you know, unless you've driven on 77, you've probably never heard of Bluefield, West Virginia. But, 
lo and behold, he's got these massive deals coming there because as one person, he decided that he was going to make a difference. And I think that that's the really cool thing. Number one about our country, but number two about this program is that one person really can make a difference if they decide that they want to. So as a small investor, you know, you, you talked about seed funding and a few other things. If let's say somebody's getting into this as this concept is really grabs, grabbed a hold of them and they wanted to get involved, would you recommend them seeking out like a syndication or something that's in that area or should they try to tackle it on their own? How, how would you suggest maybe somebody start? In, yeah. In so process? I think a lot of that depends on how inclined they are to want to manage their own investment. And so if they're really interested in getting hands on in actively doing a deal, whether that's a real estate deal, right? So the great thing is in opportunities and you can pretty much do anything, you know, so from single family rentals, right? If you wanted to go and buy one and rehab it and then rent it out or Airbnb it or whatever, we got tons of people that have done that. Or if you want to, you know, start a business and you think that it's going to take off and then it's going to have massive appreciation. If you do it in an opportunity zone and you start it with a capital gain seed money after 10 years, all of it's going to be tax free for you and your investors. But if you're not so inclined to where you're not wanting to really kind of get in and do the actual thing that you're is that you're going to do, and you're more of an investor, then absolutely, um, you know, there's tons of great national funds that are out there that allow you to basically place your money in and to get the benefit. And we regularly interact with those. We guide people through that, you know, process and that strategy. We do exactly that on a strategy call. We find out what's important for them, and we. Uh, you know, we iron that out and we come up with, you know, recommendations, introduction and, you know, just general guidance about, okay, which way do you want to go? Do you want to do this yourself? And if you do, there's a fair learning curve if you're starting from scratch. Here's the resources in order to make that as fast as possible. And here's the resources to help you get set up and get going. That's what we do. And, and then if they're not inclined and they're like, yeah, you know what? That sounds like a lot of compliance stuff. And I'm not really interested in kind of doing my own deal anyhow. Uh, what about just a fund to invest in? Like, okay, what's your, what's your pleasure, right? Are you into multifamily? Are you into retail? Are you into industrial? Do you want Airbnbs? Do you want, um, you know, do you want operating businesses? Because that's one of the great things about this program is that you can invest into high growth, startup operating businesses. And we know a lot of funds that are doing that. Um, do you like hospitality? Do you like, so we've got a fund right now that's, uh, you know, it's 10 hotels in Puerto Rico and, you know, we're actively involved in, you know, rocking and rolling with those with some unbelievably undervalued assets that are going to just crush it because of the stack tax incentives that are available in Puerto Rico. And people love that because they're like, oh, wow, I can make a, uh, a passive investment into a fund and I can go and vacation in Puerto Rico and right off my, you know, right off my trip is due diligence. And I'm like, absolutely, let's go. And, you know, or we've got another fund that we raised that's, um, you know, that's actually acquiring raw land, big chunks of raw land as part of a, a levered land play where we're doing RV parks and uh, kind of higher end hunting communities. So, 
uh, and, and operating farms, like farm to fork hunting establishments. And, you know, so there's people that are fired up about that because they're like, oh, wow, man, I'd love to interact with that type of asset. I get, you know, really stoked about tiny houses and RVs and, uh, you know, somewhere where I can actually go and I can, you know, escape the, you know, the confines of the city and I can unplug and I can retreat with my family. That's what my big picture, right? So like my real passion, you asked me, you know, you asked what, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, about impact. That's what I get up in the morning to do is that I want to help people retreat and build generational values along with their generational wealth. And I love to do that in place-based uh, settings where they can kind of get away from the, uh, the internet and they can connect with each other and they can really talk about the stuff that's going to actually you know, inculcate that value transfer. Well, I, I just can't emphasize this enough, Ashley. This is a great example of how, you know, one of the taglines of this show is that you can either put in a 10,000 hours and become an expert, or you can already learn from those people that have made that investment. And that's the case here. There's a lot of moving parts associated with these opportunity zones, including not only, like you said, there was like 8,700 opportunity zones. I'm sure there's a map somewhere where you can maybe see these things, but to compare and contrast and then find the best fit for the individual, I think it is wise for somebody to take a moment or make a small investment with you and your team to just kind of like level set and, and have some, have it build out your team, build out your network, if you will, and get some expertise behind you. Um, this, this was just a really eye-opening here today, Ashley. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, I do have some rapid-fire questions, and then we'll close this out if you're ready. Absolutely. So, what you, you're not allowed to use "rich dad, poor dad" because I'm, I'm, as far as I'm concerned, that's that's like going into a guitar shop and and trying to play "Stairway to Heaven." That that song <laughs> too many times. <laughs> they love that. They love it when you do that. What? Uh, what book would you recommend everybody should should read, whether it's business, investing, or otherwise? Traction by uh, Gina Wickman. And we run our business on traction, and um, we invest in businesses that run on traction as well. And so uh, and the, the businesses that we, don't, that we invest in that don't, they soon do. And uh, I can't recommend it enough. Um, we've got a fractional integrator, uh, a guy named Casey Cavell, that uh, really, literally turned around our company and you know gave us the Rocket Fuel, which is another book by uh, Gina Wickman as well. That uh, that you know that allowed us to launch. Yep, I got it sitting on the shelf back here. It's one of those things, like you said, you, you either start off right with it or you eventually have to adapt to it. And uh, that can be painful. Yeah. And I mean, for us, we uh, for, we didn't start off with it, but we were like, you know what? It's time. I tried to self-implement and that was like, you know, it's basically like trying to train yourself, right? And uh, or coach yourself. It, some people can do it. Um, but, you know, I was like, all right, I'm going to invest in a coach. Um, I coach people regularly day to day on this opportunity zone stuff. You know, we've made a business out of it and I'm smart enough, you know, kind of like a, a lawyer who represents himself as a fool for a client. I was like, ah, a coach that's trying to coach himself is probably not the best coach. So I'm going to hire a coach. And I did that. And he helped us execute on the traction and the EOS implementation, which has been great. It's been a game changer. So what was the biggest mistake you've made in your life and what did you learn from it? Wow. 
It's funny. I have to hit you hard on these. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, and so I did on the other episodes that I listened to. I don't remember these popping up, but now we talk <laughs> this business. Is a recent or we talk in personal business. Well, we typically focus on business, but if you have, if you want to share personal, that's fine too. So uh, it's funny, is it? Um, uh, I think they're kind of tied together. Is that the as I look back on my mistakes, the ones that I think that I've kind of that have been the worst is when I've made a decision hastily. Right. So I'm D on the disc profile and I want the information. And then I'm like, I'm not afraid to make a decision. But when I've done that and I've done it hastily, either because of uh, fear, right, fear of missing out um, or because I'm like, OK, um, this, you know, this seems like it's a good idea. Let's rock and roll with it without kind of really thinking about it and really unpacking it particularly if that's a if it's a substantial investment of cash or whatever when i've done that hastily uh, i've regretted it uh, one of the things that you know that when we started this thing and we popped up the webpage on opportunity zones i talked to my team and i was like hey i was like i think that we should create an educational product and a uh, coaching system to help people do this thing and somebody on my team was like, "Hey, I think we ought to do a product. If you had a product that we, you know, that you could put together, I could sell that like crazy." And so, based upon that, I was like, "Okay." And I kind of knew in my gut. And if I would have really taken some time on that, I probably would have figured out that that was a bad idea, particularly because the final regs weren't out. And so, our first, mm. our first foray was that we created our own fund. And um, it was doing a roll-up of uh, construction cladding companies. And we took that fund out and I literally, we couldn't raise a nickel, namely because the final regs hadn't come out and people were not comfortable investing in an operating business yet as an opportunity zone play. And so that caused us, right? So, well, you know, substantial investment of time and money into getting that done um, that caused us to then have to reboot. And you know, the good news about that was, is that I was able to successfully take all of that stuff that we did. So the pro forma and pitch deck and the process that we went through to get that done, the PPM and all of the financial modeling and, you know, the ins and outs of the opportunity zone that we had to learn. I was like, okay, I was doing it along the way in order to keep the lights on. I was like, hey, we got to go full steam on this. So we need to figure out some processes to where we can serve this up to many on the lessons that we learned and how to do this thing. And so that, that's what we do. We walk people through exactly that for anybody that wants to syndicate or anybody that wants to do it on their own. We're like, okay, this is the stuff you need to be concerned about. And so we've become the OZ Sherpa, right? Guiding people on their own opportunity zone journey. But the, I mean, it was a school of hard knocks because I made a, uh, a hasty decision about that. And then, you know, it basically cost us like probably seven to eight months and a lot of money. Well, what was the best piece of business advice you've ever received? Um, and I continue to get this. I think that it's uh, it's focus, right? Um, pick one thing and really run that to ground. And you know uh, that. And and this is this is also from our implementer, our EOS implementer, Casey. Is he said you're way more likely to die from indigestion than you are from lack of opportunity. So focus on the, you know, the three to four things and really, really do those well. And um, that's really tough for me because I'm visionary off the charts and I love, you know, kind of coming up with creative ideas and solutions and that kind of thing. 
um, which is one of the reasons why I love doing strategy calls because it allows me to creatively problem solve and kind of get that need met for other people instead of taking it to my team every day and being like, hey, listen, there's this great new thing out there that we got to try. And, um, and so focus and, and execution on that focus has been the greatest, that's probably been the greatest business advice that I've gotten. Yeah. And as entrepreneurs, I think we're all destined for that. Any kind of shiny object syndrome. I mean, we're, we're always like trying to find the, be the next best thing when the it's, gold it, might be right in front of us. Uh, it's that story about diamonds in your backyard, right? Where uh, the guy's like, oh, these diamond things. And uh, he goes searching all over Africa and he ends up dying penniless, you know, uh, you know, somewhere on the continent. And uh, the guy that buys the farm comes in and uh, he's like, he walks up and he looks at this thing that's on the, you know, the, the, his, uh, fireplace. And he's like, uh, he's like, holy cow. He's like, you guys have these. He's like, where'd you find this? And he's like, oh, there's a big pile of them out in the stream out back. Right. This is his wife telling this guy this. And he's like, well, that's the biggest diamond that I've ever seen. And, you know, this guy was out looking all over the continent for something that was literally right in his backyard. Yeah. Well. So what's the worst piece of business advice you've ever received? Wow, that's a gotta give um, you a loaded question. Yeah, that can yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think that well, what's funny is that, you know, I'm gonna go back to that, you know, generate a product before we're ready and before the the market's ready, right? So go down the road of, hey, let's build this thing and they'll come, right? Instead of what we did when we originally started the thing, which was a micro test, right? Micro test and see if it works. Micro test the next thing, see if it works. Instead, we were like, okay, yeah, this thing's going to be great. And then we're going to build this thing and then we're going to be able to sell the mess out of it. Well, uh uh, that did not work. And so, based upon that and, you know, learning from that, I, uh, you know, now walk people through, hey, do your pro forma and pitch deck, put together your idea, and then go and sell that to who you think you're going to be able to get cash from. And then once you have a soft commit, then let's spend the money on the next phases of it. And then let's expand it mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. But don't go full bore, uh, you know, um, field of dreams and think that build it and they'll come. Yeah. Well, and lastly, is there a question or concept you wish we would have covered here today? So um, I think that uh, the the one thing that I would say is that um, the, the question I wish you would have asked is like, how can people learn about this for free, right? So inside of our deal, we've got, and we've tried to get the price down as low as possible. And I think that we've done a great job of that, but there is a fee-based interaction, right? Because we're, you know, we're trying to get it out to as many people as possible, but we got to, you know, we got to make a living too. Um, but we've actually put out a ton of free resources via our YouTube channel, uh, mm -hmm. which is OZ Pros. And um, if people want to go explore that and they can, uh, you know, hit a like and they can subscribe to the channel, that will enable us to continue to be able to release out that free content because our passion is to democratize access to not just opportunity zones, but all types of tax mitigation strategies, because I believe it is each individual civic duty to pay as little taxes as possible. And we're executed. We're living that out every day. Yeah. Well, I can't thank you enough, Ashley. This has been great. Uh, again, ozpros.com slash REI mastermind. Uh, you're welcome back. I hope you'll take me up on that offer. I'd love to come back and uh, would love to interact with your guests and, uh, and, and your listeners and, uh, and looking forward to, to, to visiting here again.